Hi there, before we start, if you're new to our show, thank you so much for tuning into our program and we hope you'll stay with us for a very long time. And if you're a regular listener, thank you so much for your continuous support throughout this period of uncertainty. We're really grateful for all your kind words and encouragement. You really help this podcast to gain a great exposure as our mission is to center the perspectives of the people who look like us and as women and people who are marginalized historically to the sideline of conversation. So if you haven't already, we encourage you to subscribe to our podcast on Omni, Apple and Google or Spotify. Leave us a rating and a review. And if you'd like to support us, please head to Buy Me Coffee page to make a donation, which will help us to continue the intersectionality of the podcast industry. Hello everyone, this is Helen and you're listening to Asian Bitches Down Under. As we all know that art is one of the foundations of humanity. It is a creativity that allows us to progress, exhibit differences. Art is the expression of experience, culture, emotions, and imagination. It is a significant aspect of human life. Without art, there is darkness. In our previous episodes, I've had the pleasure of speaking to artists from various industries. And today, I have the multi-talented artist Dr. Cindy Yuanzhe Chen with me to speak about her work. Dr. Chen is currently a finalist for the New South Wales Visual Arts Emerging Fellowships 2021 to 2022 and the resident studio artist at the Parramatta Artist Studios in Epping. Dr. Chen has exhibited in Australia and China in solo, group and finalist prize exhibitions and was recently commissioned by 4A Center for the Contemporary Asian Arts to produce a solo exhibition that was exhibited at the Australian National Maritime Museum earlier this year, um, which we'll talk about in detail a little later. Thank you uh, so much for being here with me, Dr. Chen, uh, Cindy. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Could we start uh, by telling us a little bit about yourself, your heritage background and where you grew up? Maybe you can tell us about your family as well. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep. So um, my family are originally from Malaysia. My grandmother was born in um, southern China and she actually moved to Malaysia when she was a young child. And um, my family then moved to Australia when I was about four years old Mm -hmm. and um, I've lived in many different parts of Sydney. So when we first arrived, um, we spent a few years in around Kingsford, not far from University of New South Wales, where there's quite a large population of international students, um, Asian diaspora. And then we actually moved to Western Sydney. So it was quite a large move, um, big distance for us to go. And and um, we've been there ever since so my my parents are um, in Quakers Hill which is near Blacktown and um, it's quite a a multicultural suburb Um, and then I've also I also worked for many years around Parramatta and um, and also my family have close um, ties to the Cabramatta and Canleyville areas Um, my mum taught there for for many years almost 20 years and my brother still works around there so um, still like lots of students, families are good friends with my mum. And um, and yeah, so the Western Sydney area um, is somewhere that my family are connected to. And then me personally now, um, I moved to um, the Macquarie Park, uh, Marsfield area. So not far from Eastwood. So still 
also in regions that are quite um, multicultural and, and have um, uh, centers with, um, I guess, large East Asian and Southeast Asian um, and South Asian populations. Hmm. Yeah, lovely. Um, so you grew up in Western Sydney. I've lived in Western Sydney for maybe a third part of my life um, after I finished my university. Um, what's it like for you in that kind of like, I know Western Sydney is more like a melting pot because there's a large population of Indians and people from subcontinent. Um, what, what was it like for you growing up? Um, what's mm-hmm. like little Cindy like growing up mm-hmm. in Western Sydney? <laughs> well, so around Blacktown in say the late 90s, early 2000s, you know, things were changing rapidly and mm-hmm. things were, um, you know, infrastructure was being built. Like when we first moved out there, um, there were lots of farms around us and we were kind of uh, part of like one of the first um, uh, house, home and land package areas. So it was the only place that my parents could afford to buy a home. Um, and, you know, it was very quite, uh, there's a lot of space and a lot of room and, um, and, I actually went to school, so I went to high school in um, at Sydney Girls High School. So I did a oh, lot a of traveling. Of, yeah, travel. I was to say, yeah, yeah, a bit of distance for you to travel. Yeah, yeah. So it was. I guess it's um, it's a bit tough, you know, like waking up at like before six in the morning so that I could catch the train and, and get to school on time. And um, and you know, a lot of students did that. Um, a lot of people would um, travel, and I think that. I'm quite grateful that I experienced um, this because it allowed me to get a, a broader sense of what Sydney actually is like. Mm-hmm. Um, so, com- coming like going from Blacktown to the city every day, and um, and then realizing that in between, you know, there are all these different suburbs and there are all these different communities. I feel like it was actually really good, you know, to expand um, my perspective. But then also within Blacktown itself, um, I think as a young Asian woman, it wasn't the safest environment growing mm. up as a teenager. You know, my, my parents were always very, very careful. Um, mm. You know, I couldn't really walk around um, the city as much on my own. I think it's changed a lot now. Mm. Um, it's definitely, you know, a lot safer. Um, there were definitely times when like you know our neighbors right behind our home you know they they actually were running a dr- an amphetamine lab <laughs> so, and, and um and you know they they hid hid a bag of drugs under mom's camellias and oh my goodness and, okay and and the police were like oh can we just have a look in your back garden and i'm um, like yeah yeah sure no problem and mom was like oh no but they're such nice people <laughs> you never know yeah. so, so we actually we, you know we, we grew up um you know with seeing many different facets of mm-hmm. um of society and um you know both the the you know really good sides and then also and also the sides which are very disadvantaged as well mm-hmm. you know, um socioeconomically disadvantaged and and that happens with you know, people from migrant backgrounds, from refugee backgrounds, but also people who have been here for generations as mm-hmm. well, um, and also for First Nations peoples too. So I feel like it really gave me a sense of understanding and and compassion um, growing up. 
Um, so did you always wanted to be an artist? Um, have you explored other career options? Because I feel like um, if I, I'm sure that you're a lot more younger than me, but I was born in the early eighties, and I think a lot of Asian immigrants' parents they expect their kids to have a certain career path. Oh yes, stable. I'm not saying that art is unstable, but there's always a very stereotypical idea, the mentality from the Asian immigrant parents. You know, there's a, supposed to be like lawyer, uh, engineers, yes. doctors, or doctors. maybe teachers. Yeah. You know, those are very stable yeah. Yeah. sort of careers. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. With being an artist, um, have you explored other career options, or was that what you always wanted to be when you were younger? Yeah, yeah. So um, I feel like that is so true um, of um, Asian parents, especially people from migrant backgrounds,、mm-hmm. and it comes very much from a pragmatic、um, understanding.、Mm-hmm. But also, you know, for some people, it's also about the prestige. You know, we really、mm-hmm. want our child to be a doctor、um, because in that one generation, we can turn it around. You know, from being,、um, you know. Poor working class migrants to you know, something with a, a higher social status. So、mm-hmm. I feel like within specifically the Chinese community,、um, there is a、yeah. lot of that.、Mm-hmm. Um, and then also going to a selective high school, I can definitely say that in my year of over 160、um, girls who graduated, I was the only one who went to art school. Oh, and、really? one of my wow, yeah、okay. yeah、mm-hmm. I was the only one who went to、um, on to do fine arts and one other person went on to do visual communications and I think somebody else went on to do design but everybody everybody got you know it was all pretty much expected that you would get a UAI or ATAR of、um, you know ninety ninety something and、um, and you know for for my parents I'm. Fairly grateful that my parents didn't push me in that direction、um, because I think they knew that from an early age I was quite headstrong in what <laughs> I wanted to do. And、um, the first thing I ever wanted to be was actually an astronaut. So,、okay. so I I still love I still love looking at the sky. I love flying it.、Mm-hmm. I love flying at night and looking out the window. And、um, that's I think it's actually that sense of curiosity. That is something that really drives artists, and、um, and that curiosity about the world, about being in the world, about relating to the world,、mm-hmm. um, is something that always continued to drive me. And it, I knew that I would always struggle to have or to hold down a job where I was not constantly learning.、Mm-hmm. So it was always either an option of being in a, the creative industries. Um, and I completely understand, you know, the the desire for migrant parents to have their children be in a secure job.、Mm. Um, I know that my brother is a lawyer, and he really enjoys his work.、Mm. Um, he he works closely with communities around Canley Vale and Carramatta in Southwest Sydney, and you know he sees he learns a lot about community there.、Um, but I need to imagine, I need to dream,、mm. and I need to、um, articulate. This curiosity and this fascination through some sort of medium,、mm-hmm. and so、um, to put my parents' minds at ease. I mean, I always grew up with a lot of financial anxiety、um, because we were always like not we weren't in poverty, but it was definitely there were times of struggle,、um, definitely.、Um, 
especially so so if you think about it back in the 90s mm. my, a family of four would survive on an income of say about $200 a week mm. um so you know and and my parents had come from fairly well to do professional careers um in Malaysia gave up all of that in the mid 30s to bring the children here to Australia and you know my dad ended up you know having to work at printing factories um you know he worked as a in IT for a short while and and ended his career as a bus driver so it was like kind of like whatever you could do to sustain the family and then so for them they wanted to make sure that you know we were secure so i always made sure that in along with my art career my art practice i always worked so i think that was a good thing in that i i had skills so like say front facing customer service related skills mm-hmm. um i have skills now of teaching of education and then there's always the art practice and i think that what is often underestimated um about artists now our artistic career paths is that when you are an artist you are essentially pretty much a one person company you actually learn to you learn to um research and develop ideas you learn to fabricate and make um you learn to liaise with external stakeholders um you learn to coordinate uh and organize um install talking to you when you start off you're doing everything on your own you do it sometimes installing on your own you're applying for grants you're applying for spaces um you have to find out how to fund all of that um whether it be through day jobs or sometimes through grants so you there's you actually we, we have so many skills and i think that's Absolutely. really underestimated I, I found- I found a lot of artists they're so amazing. They're so well in their communications because sometimes we have this um certain image of artists that they don't talk much, they just focus on what they do in creating. But a lot of artists I've met throughout the years, they're so um they're so well presented and they know how to market themselves as well such as you, you know, you know how to talk through and explain it as well. Whereas in the past, um I guess um another uh, again that I'm going back to the word stereotypical that the image that a lot of asian parents or immigrants will have about artists is that they're a bit isolated <laughs> from the mm. people mm. and they just create but whereas nowadays mm-hmm. artists really do have to do a lot of things like you say isn't it yes yeah and um and of course there are many many different kinds of artists mm. and some people do have the um the space and the time and the resources to focus on um on just making in the studio and that's kind of like part of my dream you know we'd always love to have more time making and learning in the studio but then one thing that um what i've learned over the years is the importance in your day job of actually being connected within the industry as well because um like i I'm an artist educator and I also coordinate programs for people with accessibility needs and also disability. So I've I learned so much through my colleagues. I learned so much through um the artists that I work with um and various parts of um the sector. So so connecting with um different organizations. Mm-hmm. You actually build up um so many of these and it's that's like I find that 
I, I don't like the word networking. I prefer the word, um, I guess, connections.、Mm-hmm. All of those things are really important for、um, fostering an artistic career. And,、mm-hmm. and I think that what really shifted the needle for me was when my, one of my PhD supervisors said、mm-hmm. to me, you know, as an artist, you're also a public figure.、Mm-hmm. And I never thought about that because you sort of think, oh, you know, I'm just making. But then, yes, you know, we, we are actually, we have a, f- a reputation and, and,、um, and I guess a public standing、mm-hmm. that also needs to be considered. You know, you don't know, like some people are very active in promoting that, but then some people are more like, well,、I've, I'm focusing on making the work and I'm, Fostering connections within a very specific part of the art community. So,、mm-hmm. the art world is just so multifaceted.、Mm-hmm. And,、um, and I guess for Asian, one thing I would say for, for you know, any, anyone who is of like an Asian migrant background, considering, you know, career in the arts, I would say that it's a lot of work. But if you have within you that, that culture of working hard, Um, then you can, you can do it. And,、yeah. um, and, it, and you might not be as,、um, well off as your parents might wish you were. <laughs>、mm-hmm. But, but, um, but it's, it is doable and you will learn so many skills. Yeah, I think eventually when it comes to our generation, we're starting to build something along our, along our line of our career that we really wanted to do. That we enjoy and also hopefully to sustain our, ourselves as well. Um,、mm. so、what, um, you spoke about space,、uh, you sp- spoke about connection.、Um, what other things that has inspired you to create what you create?、Mm. Um, I think that what constantly underpins a great deal of the work that I do is.、Um, Constantly trying to understand how I am here,、mm. how I am in a place.、Um, so I definitely draw upon,、um, I guess, what, one, one of my loves is actually traditional or looking at historical ink, ink works.、Mm-hmm. So Say, I have a I have a love hate relationship with the Chinese、um, landscape tradition. Okay.、Um, I love it in that the first time that I really discovered it or thought about it was when I was in art school. And I realized that everything I was learning in art school was from the was European or North American yes. backgrounds. Yeah, it's very Western、like, dominated. Yeah. It's completely, completely.、Like, My educational pathway has completely Western oriented, been completely Western orientated.、Mm-hmm. And so I was in the library and I was looking through,、um, I was looking through books on、um, ink paintings by Japanese、um, Zen、mm-hmm. Buddhist monks.、Mm-hmm. And the ink brush strokes, they just resonated with me. And I love being able to feel the trajectory of gestures from coming through from history. And that is something that underpins my work. So, the treasures of、um, East Asian culture. So, paper,、um, brush, ink, and the stone. So, my husband's grandmother, so my husband's Japanese,、um, his grandmother actually gave me her treasures. She gave, she gave me her brushes, she gave me、um, 
her stones, um, her um, inkstone, and she gave me paper. And that really kind of kickstarted me to thinking, well, how do I work with these? And I've never ever had traditional um, training in any sense. So I taught myself how to cook glue, um, to mount paper. I taught myself how to um, grind ink. And all of that actually combines with a question of how and why do I, how do I be here um, in Australia, in this place that's so-called Australia, where we're trying to negotiate not only um, some sort of multicultural identity, but also thinking about how our location in this place and potentially perpetuating displacement of First Nations people as well. It's what we're doing, you know, just by being here. It's like, how do I think about this and understand this? And and then the, the, the landscape that I have grown up with here are completely different from what we're actually uh, depicted or responded to by with me, by artists using these mediums that are such an important part of my um, cultural background. So all of these dialogues um, between the present um, location and and all of like and my cultural histories, which also inform my present, they they are what kind of constantly drive whatever project that I'm working on. So I find that paper is something that really resonates with me. I generally always use paper, um, but I also work a lot with sound. Um, so listening to places mm-hmm. um, and and my sound practice has kind of developed alongside my experimental drawing practice now. Mm, wow, that sounds amazing. I want to get to the sound part a little bit later. Um, I want to talk about a little bit about the ink bit. Um, what you talk mm-hmm. about the um, treasure because it reminds me when I was growing up in Taiwan calligraphy was a really important subject mm-hmm. um, in mm-hmm. primary school in Taiwan I don't know about now but back in like early 80s um, we had supposed to do calligraphy at least twice a week in a primary school mm-hmm. and that was something mm-hmm. that I grew up with and also um, it kind of uh, convey a sense of discipline I think um, with calligraphy drawing and writing mm-hmm. the way that you hold the brush the mm-hmm. way that you have to set up straight I still remember mm-hmm. it now like decades later um, yeah that's I think that's just a part of me but if it's fascinating for me to see you as a you know um, who came to Australia so early that pick up um, this element what part of it that really intrigued you to to pick up, you know, specifically the Chinese mm. or Oriental ink um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. style. Yeah, um, it's funny because I, I don't use it in any way that is um, uh, traditional or proper or trained. Um, and so, so, uh, but I think because I had studied um, uh, Western life drawing and I've, that's, like drawing with charcoal, um, which mm-hmm. you think about ink, it's essentially the same matter. It's mm-hmm. um, carbonized yeah. wood. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's actually um, also soot as well that is also used to make some kinds of ink, the, the warm blacks. Mm-hmm. Um, but the cool blacks, which are my favorite, they're made from generally pine soot. Um, and working with charcoal sticks um, in life drawing, so I studied, um, I did an intensive HSC drawing course um, at the National Art School um, 
during in between in, in high school and um, that was actually my only experience of national arts school because it was free <laughs> I, I was I was able to get in um, through like a selection process and it was free because my parents couldn't afford it otherwise but that was actually a really pivotal um, period in learning where I learned to to draw and understand perspective mm-hmm. and and to do life drawing and to analyze anatomy and the human body but very much from a western um sort of um approach um and it obviously reaches back to the um ancient greek um approach and so when i saw calligraphy superimposed onto landscapes and also onto paintings of figures that Hmm. had a completely different way of seeing the world hmm. and if you look at um, traditional Chinese landscape or even even the long folding screens hmm. and the scrolls of um, sequences of events um, that you that are in um, say Song Dynasty paintings all the way through to 17th century Japanese and 18th century Japanese um, scrolls and uh, depictions of like cities and things there's a completely different approach yeah. to um, perspective so instead of that single one point it's a scroll it's mm-hmm. a narrative it unfolds yeah, and it progresses like through telling a story yes yes yeah. yeah and it's and it's like slightly elevated and it's also a little bit um, adjusted and kind of wonky and and it's like I think it's called an orthogonal um, view and so I was became really interested in this sort of tension between the two ways of experiencing space and um, and then that of course led me to the actual medium that was being used to um, to create these marks and to create these images and I became really fascinated by the breadth of possibility um, of mark making with the brush so you have the really, really fine, meticulous brush called gongbi, like that really, really delicate marks. And then you have the really expressive, expansive, sometimes with brushes made out of um, bundles of um, bamboo and sticks. Yeah. And that's like that xie yi, it's like writing, you know, thought. And um, it is very like that literal connection between the mind and the hand and it's very intuitive mm. I think that's what I loved about it that explosion of um of just this inner expression being coming out so that was really what drew me to it and then I started looking at the histories of it as well and um, more recently through my PhD research realizing that it's a deeply patriarchal tradition Mm. Very, very few female artists are ever recognized historically. Um, there's one woman artist called Guan Daosheng who is, she's known for her bamboo mm-hmm. paintings, but never landscapes because women never traveled outside. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Um, yeah. she, yeah, yeah. So if you were, if you isolated in a bamboo forest yes. or something like that. <laughs> yes, it's like, like the Japanese word for wife is kanai or like one of the not so nice words. It literally means house inside is the two characters oh, for like being right. in, inside the house of the house yeah. yes mm, it's like jianne. it's like being inside yeah and it's like ah oh, you know that really pissed me off and um and then <laughs> i was like looking at the history of chinese gardens because i'm i also love chinese gardens and mm-hmm. um and the way that space is layered in there and i realized well this entire tradition was developed for communities of men 
communities of men who had access to education、mm. and who were scholars. And I realized I don't quite fit within this. And it's like, what am I doing relating to this history and this tradition? And、um, that kind of tension and that question was what I was thinking about. And I addressed with、um, Spaces to Sew, which was a Um, an exhibition that I had with Foray at the Paramaritime Museum、um, earlier this year. So I was thinking about because that was originally meant to be held in the Chinese Gardens in Darling Harbour,、mm-hmm. and then it shifted to an indoor、um, space. And so I was thinking about let's bring women's voices into this、mm-hmm. space. Let's bring the voices of women artists or artists identifying as women.、Mm-hmm. Um, and so I spoke to three of my、um, uh, artist colleagues. And um, uh, Maddie Gibbs,、um, who's a First Nations artist,、um, she's a Barkindji woman, and、uh, Nicole Barakat,、um, and Kritika Kane. So I spoke to all of them, and I wanted to fill their voices, you know, in this space.、Hmm. And and I made these scrolls that were a play on the tr- scroll tradition using、uh, scrubbing brushes. So. So I used、um, clothes scrubbing brushes that I bought、um, from like a Chinese、um, two dollar shop in Eastwood,、mm-hmm. and、um, I use I dipped them in ink that I had hand ground, and I used that to make marks like following、mm-hmm. the sounds of women washing clothes that I had recorded in Guiling in southern China. Wow! So so I had the sounds of those women washing clothes, and it's like. I was there at dawn, and I saw this like woman with like big buckets of like clothing, and、um, and it was in this tiny village called Langshuchun in、um, Guiling, and I was like, this is the most stunning, iconic mountain scenery with like the mountain and the water,、mm-hmm. which are like two key key elements of Chinese landscape,、mm-hmm. and there are、yep. these women scrubbing along the riverbank, and. They have never been painted. They've never been depicted in any of these paintings, but they've been there for hundreds of years, for generations. Because, and the rocks speak of this history because they're worn smooth. So where the women scrub their clothes, the rocks are completely smooth.、Mm-hmm. And you, sometimes some men go there, you know, to wash like little bits of clothing. But it's the women, women who go down、That's、there. The majority like, of the jobs, yeah. Yeah, exactly.、Mm-hmm. So, so I was, I recorded the sounds of them, and then at the same time, I also、um, created sounds by bouncing those sounds of them、um, scrubbing out. Through speakers and bouncing it off these rocks that were around me, so that's the process that I use、um, to generate sound feedback. So I played those sounds that I had recorded way back in 2018、um, with new video works that I made and the scroll pieces that were made through scrubbing, wringing、uh, paper, and like washing paper. Mm. Mm. Wow, that sounds amazing. So you're trying to recreate kind of the、um, scenarios that you see in China, and then we're speaking about the、uh, installments of the space to stir, which is the exhibition that listeners、um, can still see on your website.、Um, would you be able to tell us,、uh, apart from the scrolls, I saw that there's a couple of installments that looks like 
um, rocks, but I'm not mm-hmm. quite sure what of the materials that you used um, for mm. that exhibition. Can you tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about that? Mm, yeah, yeah. So, so there were the scrolls um, hanging in the space, mm. and um, and then there were the um, video works of um, scrunched, washed, and wrung paper that I had like dipped in ink and scrunched, and I used like different tones of black ink and also some deep vermilion, like warm um, orangey ink. And so I arranged those pieces of um, abused paper, <laughs> like, okay. like really, really like worn out paper, okay. um, into almost like miniature um, landscapes. So mm-hmm. I arranged them and I filmed it um, with consideration for how rocks in a Chinese garden would be arranged in mm-hmm. a pond or in the water. So it was an attempt to. Um, have a dialogue with the Chinese gardens where the work was meant to be exhibited originally and um, in a way I was really glad I had the opportunity to make these video works because the um, making the works I also responded to the rhythms of scrubbing mm-hmm. um, from the recordings um, by performing those gestures and the changes of light and the shadows Mm-hmm. in those video works are actually from my hands moving mm-hmm. that in performing gestures so connecting to gestures of the past so whether it be women um, in places um, for the finalist um, New South Wales um, Visual Arts Emerging Finalist Exhibition I responded to histories of women making and sewing and stitching inside the prison um, which is currently now the site of the National Arts School in Sydney which is where the work was ex- exhibited mm-hmm. so I thought about the gestures that they were making and so I mm-hmm. stitched into paper because they were there was a lot of um, female labor in those places yeah. um, where they were made to do menial work for mm-hmm. hours and hours yeah. so responding to gestures is really important and um, and the work that I'm actually Actually, today I'm installing um, work for a show at Mossman Art Gallery, where I'm I responded to the gestures of um, crustaceans of um, animals from 250 million years ago. So, mm-hmm. as looking at the scratches that they had made into rocks, which have been retained as fossils. Um, wow! And so, definitely connecting with the actions of creatures beings in places in the past mm-hmm. and thinking about how i can have that dialogue now in the present is um something that continues through in my practice mm, wow that sounds amazing it's a continuum as being an artist that you really have to kind of find something um historically and try to make it something resonate to the mm. present and contemporary time isn't it yeah because yeah. i think I think that's actually a really important part of art um, is that it actually it, it tells the story of where and how we are here in this in um, places at particular times mm-hmm. and I think that one reason why it's really important and why I would love to see more women of color make art yes. women um, from you know maybe financially challenged migrant backgrounds because often the reason why there are barriers to making art is because 
we simply don't have the resources to actually dedicate to that. But I would love to see more people um, from um, migrant cultural backgrounds to make art because these are the stories that often don't get told. These are the the, um, the experiences that are um, marginalized or sidelined yes. and they're the ones that aren't recorded. So mm. if you look at so much of 20th century art, it's it's dominated by white men. Mm. So it's, yeah. and it's and it's because there were the resources, you know, they had access mm. and they and so I feel like things you know that things need to change. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You did, that's so correct. I think um, from what you're saying that even during the education that you learn, you know, the arts arts industry or even the art world in the throughout the tertiary education is very westernized and very focused on what the European has presented. Um, even now, Australia as a big melting pot, we say there's a lot of diversity, but what we learn are still very dominated by the, mm. it's, it's still the products of the white male. Um, so, yes, yeah. So yeah. speaking mm. of that, and, yeah, go ahead. Mm. Yeah, and, and sort of like in, in response to what you were saying, it's also what is considered um, as legitimate, legitimate forms of knowledge. So it's like when it comes to tertiary settings, you're constantly having to justify the sources that you use. Mm-hmm. And so often those sources, in order for them to be considered academically valid, mm. they need to be from, you know, like peer-reviewed sources or peer-reviewed <laughs> yeah. journals. So the so the but like the pool of knowledge that you draw upon is actually very it's very constricted. Mm. And so say like for instance, if I was thinking about um, cultural knowledge of sound that exists beyond the contemporary Western sound practice framework. Um, you know, I'd be needing to look at um, people, say, from practicing in Nepal. And when you reference those things, it's like, okay, well, at least in the arts, there's a bit more um, openness in regards to who you choose to reference and um, and who you and what kinds of knowledge you draw upon. Um, but then there's so much like needing to justify and argue for mm. including um people who are not necessarily like published yes. by university That's mm. so true. yeah in saying that um what sort of challenges have you faced as an asian australian female um like working in australia because i know that you worked um you had exhibitions in china as well as in australia do you think that there were a lot of obstacles for you to you know do what you do today um, I feel like the primary obstacles have been balancing, um, I guess, survival financially and um, and just time, having time and energy. And um, so I feel like my practice has moved along a lot more slowly um, than a lot of people because of this. So. You know, it's always kind of been like having to be a part-time practice. Mm-hmm. Like I remember when I got, when I actually got my scholarship to do my PhD, I was at work, mm-hmm. and when I got the email, I started crying because Aww. I was like, I I was so so happy that I could actually have three and a half years dedicated to researching and making art. Mm-hmm. Like I had never been so overjoyed because it came after, like. 10 years of more than 10 years actually of like just having like so many day jobs and a lot of artists will understand this 
Mm. So many artists work two to three jobs mm -hmm. and more, more actually. I know people who are like teaching at like four or five different places. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I feel that, um, I feel that culturally, um, a lot of Asian and Chinese people grow up kind of being, you learn not to rock the boat. You kind of learn, there's actually always something holding you back where you feel kind of um, afraid of attention in a way. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I feel like with Asian women, you often get told, or like with Chinese women, I, like, I feel like Chinese women have to be outspoken and and louder and sometimes sometimes this is regarded as um as undesirable but you yeah. like I, feel, i find that a lot of chinese women need to learn to do this to be stronger to be more, more outspoken because mm -hmm. otherwise in our cultures we get ignored we don't get heard mm -hmm. and like when i was actually making in china and um and i had a solo show in um at ningbo museum of art The people that I was working with directly, they were great. They were fantastic. But the higher level directors and like subdirectors, they were men in their 60s and it was the mm. most patriarchal oh, um, attitude I have ever experienced. Like actually working in China was the first time that I had ever experienced um, gender discrimination. Wow. And it was blatant like the difference in the way that I was treated compared to the other Australian artist who was also in residence he was um, a white man in his late 40s um, mm -hmm. even he said to me he was like Cindy you're being treated like wallpaper mm -hmm. and and when we visited another museum he was introduced as an Australian artist I was completely ignored wow. because I yeah be Because I was Chinese and because I was um, I was Malaysian Chinese and so you know that was in my bi biography. Mm. They didn't regard me as an Australian artist, mm. and then at the same time, I'm not fully Chinese either. Mm. Yeah. So it's a mm. it's a strange space to occupy because like I can speak some Mandarin, but mm. I don't speak very well. Like my Mandarin is is accent it's um, Cantonese and Hakka accented and it's also um, uh, Australian accented mm. so so my Mandarin is a little bit odd and um, and so I don't quite fit in that space I'm not exactly Australian I'm not exactly Chinese like not mainland China Chinese so um, it was a little bit strange so when I'm here but it was still a very rewarding experience like I still really enjoy um, traveling and working overseas um, but I find that in Australia um, there are actually more opportunities for me here mm -hmm. um, in terms of being able to actually examine mm. um, all of these tensions. Mm, yeah I can totally understand the part where you work in uh, Maybe not even in China, not only in China, I think a majority of Asian countries that if you're an Asian appearance, they, I don't know, if you put, you're being put next to a white person, <laughs> somehow you're like a level lower or something like that. Like just and because I, you're I, not I, as interesting. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know. It's just, yeah, there's something that a lot of nuances around that kind of discussion that I don't, I don't want to get into it today. <laughs> yeah, um, there's a lot of complexity around it. Yeah. Um, so my final question for today is, um, what's your next project? What do you have anything um, coming up? 
Mm, yeah, yeah. So, so I'm part of a group exhibition at Mosman Art Gallery. Um, I'm here today um, installing for um, a group exhibition called Keeping School, and it's a collaboration between Parramatta Artist Studios and Mosman Art Gallery. Mm-hmm. And um, there is a group of artists, um, fantastic artists, um, including um, Harriet Bodie, um, and uh, my brain just. <laughs> Good for people. Um, <laughs> um, and Gary Trin, Carrie Kenton, and Tom, Tom Blake, yep, yep, Jess Bradford, yep. So, um, yeah, I feel like I'm good with faces, but I'm really not good with names. Um, so, yes, a fantastic list of artists, all part of Parramatta Artist Studios. And, um, and we are installing for this show and it's opening um, next week. Mm-hmm. And then I'm also um, co-curating um, the Lunar New Year program um, okay. of um, public programs uh, with the Art Gallery New South Wales. So it will be wow. on their Wednesday night and their Saturday. So I'm, I'm doing a bit of research now into cultures that celebrate Lunar New Year um, beyond Chinese cultures. So. Yeah. You know, um, it's going to be an, a new project, a very different experience. I've not um, done sort of curating and reaching out to um, different creative people um, to to put together a program before. So this will be exciting. Wow, that sounds wonderful and very exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, we're still looking forward to your projects and the upcoming exhibitions. Um, thank you so much for chatting with me today. Um, so there you go, Dr. Chen. Um, for our listeners, you can find Dr. Chen's work and news about her projects at her website, uh, cyzchen.com, or alternatively, now in of course, we always encourage our listeners to follow everything on Instagram, which is at Cindy uh, underscore YZ underscore Chen. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, that's amazing. Thank you so much again, Cindy. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. Oh, thank you so much, Helen. It's yeah. Thanks for having me on your show. Awesome.